let me introduce you to inspiring entrepreneurs. Hi there, my name is Ben Gothard. My mission is to interview incredible entrepreneurs who are changing the world and present their stories to you, unscripted and unedited. From billionaires to Forbes 30 under 30 recipients to New York Times best-selling authors and much, much more, these people are living proof that nothing is impossible. Join me on this journey to learn from their experiences and become the person you're meant to be. Welcome to the Project Egg Show every morning at 8 a.m. Central. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of the Project Egg Show. Today, we have the honor of speaking with Dr. Joe Schaefer, a digital marketing agency owner, but that is only the tip of the iceberg. He is a PhD and is a published neuroscience researcher. He's also a seventh degree, that's a lot of degrees, black belt in Kung Fu and has been teaching and training for over 30 years with a 300-person school in Austin, Texas. So he brings 11 agency years and the experience with over 500 marketing clients together with his science mastery and strategy skill. So please, ladies and gentlemen, put your digital hands together for Dr. Joe. How you doing today? Hey, I'm doing great, Ben. Thanks. I am so glad that we get to chat today, and it is such an honor to have you on the show. It's great to be here. All right, well, let's dive right in. I want to know, what is your story? Well, you can tell by my background, so quite a, quite a few different varied things in there. So it could be a long story, so I'll, I'll uh, do the Reader's Digest version of it, but um, I mean, my whole life I've been very interested in, I love science ever since I was a kid, a real science nerd. And uh, I uh, was headed towards that, that career, an academic career in research. And uh, at the same time, I began to, to train in martial arts. And so those two things kind of went in parallel. I was doing both of them. And I came to Austin, Texas, to the University of Texas to get my doctorate and I was in uh, neurophysiology. And so, you know, I know the topic is uh, usually entrepreneurship. Actually, scientists are very much entrepreneurs because, you know, you write your own grants, uh, you ask your own questions, you set your own hours, you kind of guide your own uh, future, your own destiny with, your, with what you're interested in. And so that really, uh, that was fueled my, my desire to kind of be my own boss, to follow my own path. Uh, but also I found that I was, um, I was more of a science fan. I love science, but I didn't necessarily be, had to be the guy sitting at the, the lab desk doing the, the, the experiments. Uh, in about 1996, I got a young researcher of the year, got this nice trip to Breckenridge to go skiing and, and present and got all kinds of job offers. Should have been the peak of my life. Uh, it only lasted about 24 hours. Next day I woke up and it was, I realized I still didn't want to do science uh, for a living. And so that was a tough one. I had to go talk to my academic advisor and tell him that uh, I'm not going to go into the family business, essentially, and I'm going to pursue uh, opening a martial arts school. Was much have been a, must have been a huge uh, pattern disconnect for him to hear me say that. Uh, and it was very stressful for me to tell him, but actually he was, he was very supportive of it and thought it was fantastic. And actually his kids came and took class from me at my school after that. So... Um, because at the time I got my PhD, I, I had about 200 students in my school. I had built, uh, kept building it up, moving to new place, getting a bigger place and growing and growing. So by the time I finally got that, that, that doctorate, uh, I was ready to kind of hit the ground running with a, with a full-time school. So from that point forward, I just dove straight into marketing because my, my background had been in science, and so I took every class, every, read every book, took every seminar I could take on marketing, and that, you know, toward the end of the 90s, there became digital marketing. And so when Google introduced its uh, AdWords platform in 2002, uh, I heard about it one day, and that night I already had an account running. So 
uh, I was running it for my, for my own business and really built my entire school on the back of that, of, of that platform. But it wasn't too long. I started having business owners come to me asking me to help them uh, with their digital advertising. So I learned the lessons of digital advertising by learning in the seminars, books, classes, but I really learned the lessons spending my own money on the actual platforms and techniques, uh, which is the greatest teacher of all, right? Um, so, so flash forward to 2008, I opened up a full, full-time marketing agency, still have my martial arts schools. Um, I opened up at one point, I had as many as nine schools and I sold off all of them but one. And so during the day, I'm a digital marketing person and, and in the evening I teach martial arts. Uh, so, so now though, it, it, our agency, we help small to medium size, usually owner operated people, owner operators, people who can make their own decisions uh, about it. Not too much of a committee decision. Uh, those are the people we prefer to work with, kind of smaller entrepreneurs. Um, and so that's, that's where we're at now. When you were still doing research and you were very ingrained in the science of it all, what attracted you to the the specific field that you were in? Well, you know, there's something to be said. I, at one point, I told uh, a good friend of mine uh, who was a professor, I said, you know, I probably, you know, I'm not just not meant to be a scientist, I guess, even though I, I was very good at it, did very well. Uh, and he said, no, he said, you're wrong. You just picked the wrong topic. And so a lot, of, a lot of times what happens is almost like a baseball trade. You move from one university to the other one because your professor here knows that professor there. And so they kind of make a deal and you move into that lab and begin working. And so you work on whatever that professor is working on, which I could be interested in almost anything. But my true passion is, is about um, questions of consciousness and uh, how we perceive the world which I love about teaching Tai Chi and teaching Kung Fu, teaching meditation. And I have a lot of equipment here at my house where I continue to do that kind of research on myself and my kids. <laughs> so, you know, looking at uh, effects of meditation and Tai Chi on relaxation and very various measures of that. So if I would have picked that topic, I certainly would have stayed, probably stayed longer in it. But my topic of all things, man, was uh, I, I studied uh, electric fish and looked at the, neurons in their spine that make the electric field and looked at how steroid hormones affect those and cause different behaviors. So uh, still very interesting, but uh, just wasn't something I, you know, my whole life I wished I could know about electric fish. So <laughs> I, I consider it good because actually now I can just be a fan of science and, uh, and do something a little bit more exciting and connect with a lot of people via both teaching martial arts and uh, working with clients. I want to drill down into the the martial arts and the marketing agency a little bit later, but I'm fascinated by the the neuroscience. That mm -hmm. that's sure. that's what really really caught my attention there. Um, can you talk about some of the specifics of your research, what you've discovered, and why and how that's so impactful to, to people and, and how we can use that to improve our lives? Well, much of science, um, you, you, you can break science into two types of research. Applied research, where you're actually asking a question that you're going to then use kind of directly to help people, or uh, a more basic science. And so uh, basic science is more difficult to draw that connection between what you're going to use this for but actually the biggest leaps as a society that we make are with what we find in basic science. So you very often will hear maybe some congressman will talk, will complain about NIH funding for looking at the you know, sex behaviors of flies or something like that and use it as an arguing point to cut funding. But all of those models are used to discover things about humans. And what people may not realize is that uh, PCR reaction, which is used to to replicate DNA, is what what's what Ancestry.com uses, you know, to to an, analyze your DNA now in a couple of weeks. Uh, all of that was relied upon the discovery of a bacteria that lived on a thermal vent at the bottom of the ocean, 
and uh, some you know crazy scientist that wanted to know about crazy things like bacteria at the bottom of the ocean discovered something that changed our entire world. So I worked on uh, these weekly electric fish that generate this electric field. And that's a behavior, even though it seems like it's almost like sonar. It's like a bat sending out a signal. They send out a field from their tail and it's picked up in their head uh, with electroreceptors. And how that field changes tells them what's around them and their surroundings because they live in uh, the Amazon basin in South America and it's very cloudy water they can't see. So they use this as a second way of seeing. Well, the frequency that they put out is very specific. Males put out certain frequency, females put out another frequency. And you can put a capsule with testosterone in a female and it'll change its frequency to become more like a male. And so the question is, is how does that testosterone affect that behavior at a cellular level? What's changing in those neurons? Because even though it's a very simple personality trait or a very simple behavior, it is still a behavior. So we can ask about, hey, how, how do we, how do our behaviors different from one person to another all the way down at the cell level. So that's, we use that as a model for, and then along the way I found some other very interesting things that when you, when you transect the fish's spinal cord, which is part of one of the experiments, they grow their entire spine back again. Uh, and so they're very regenerative and they grew all brand new motor neurons, which is the holy grail for anybody researching uh, MS, or different uh, motor neuron diseases. And so these fish uh, turn out to be pretty remarkable in many ways. I didn't really pursue that very far. That was like a side project for me. Most of mine was on the testosterone driven stuff. But So just to make sure I understand the, the nuance of the, the main research mm -hmm. that you were doing, you were trying to understand how testosterone was affecting the behavior of the fish, the behavior in this case being this pulse or, mm -hmm. or, or uh, electromagnetic field that it was emitting uh, right. at, at a cellular level. And, and the example being you had a male fish when it, it, it was throwing off some frequency and the female fish had a different frequency, but then when you introduce the testosterone, then it, the frequency was the same as the male. Is that correct? Correct. And because, because the, there's a pacemaker in the brainstem of the fish, just like we have a pacemaker for our heart that drives that whole frequency. The question was, is it acting on the pacemaker or is it somehow changing even the cells in the tail of the fish that generate the field? So that's why we cut the spinal cord of the fish. Ah. And then what we found out was it changes both of them independently. So it both makes the pacemaker fire faster and it makes the cells fire faster themselves. And so these fish actually, remarkably, they fire at extremely high firing rates. The cells fire at 1,000 to even 1,500 times per second, uh, which there's not a single, almost a cell, there's not a cell in our body, that, uh, neuron that fires that fast. So they're really high, high frequency cells. So it's a lot of fun even finding, you know, something that fires along at that, at that frequency. But yeah, so you're exactly correct. That's exactly what we did. And because it's a behavior and they can change it. So you like, it sounds like you really like the fascinated by the science part. If two fish come up to each other and one, let's say has a frequency of 800 Hertz and the other one has a frequency of 795 Hertz, They'll, it's called, they'll jam each other. They don't know which signal's theirs. So they lose information. So what happens is the fish that has the lower frequency will lower theirs even more, and the fish with the higher frequency will raise theirs even higher. And so they call it jamming avoidance response in this, all the geeky scientists who study this, right? And so uh, because it can do that in the moment, it, it reinforces that it is actually a behavior and not just like some kind of an auto, autonomic or automatic thing that they're actually getting to change it. So, so yeah, so by seeing what kind of, how the channels, the ion channels change when the, they get testosterone introduced, you can see kind of how, how behaviors change in animals based upon, you know, what, what environment the cell is in. That's incredible. It's incredible both that they can change those frequencies because they want to, and in, in the greater implications of 
the impact of of various substances or or uh, yeah. external you know introductions to to their ecosystem, like what that will do to them on sure. on a cellular level. That that's fascinating. And was the goal to then extract that information? and be able to apply that to people like say, okay, now we we're understanding more about, about this particular species, this particular fish. Now let's, now let's see if we can improve people's lives by understanding how the introduction of foreign substances will change us. Is that kind of the, the next well, step? So, so the way this will work, it's like a ladder. Mm -hmm. You've got scientists to, to be, straightforward with you here the scientists who work on this kind of thing have no interest ever in bridging into the humans uh, yeah. it's, it's too deep there's too much to understand and figure out at that level mm -hmm. in the fish alone it's other people who come in and grab the knowledge that you've gotten from that fish and say wait a minute that sodium channel acts a certain way and they just found out how this behaves in that fish let's try this certain drug uh, in somebody, let's say, or a calcium channel with somebody who has, um, you know, uh, some kind of pulmonary issue. Let's find out if we block this. So that's how it ends up happening is it, you, you spend your whole, these guys spend their whole life trying to figure out a fish uh, and they never really worry about how it's going to apply. They know they're adding to the body of knowledge general so that others can piggyback on that. Uh, so everything we know about the nervous system from 100 years ago came from crayfish and frogs and slugs and things like that. And so it, you know, people built upon that in order to help you and I. That's incredible. It's, it's fascinating. And it's fascinating how somebody who's studying something like, like that fish so deeply and going so drilling down so far, they may not even know that hundreds of years later, Exactly. The, their work has implications that could change humanity forever. That that is amazing. And, and you know, it's uh, there's unfortunately in our public right now is a kind of an anti-science uh, atmosphere, uh, anti-intellectual, anti-science, and, and that people don't realize that people do spend their entire life answering one or two questions, and because it's almost it's a religion for the scientists to share everything that they learn. And that the open sharing of that information is the culture of science. That's how it ends up in a hundred years changing our entire world is because everybody passes it around uh, and, and has this devotion to pushing knowledge, no matter how small or disconnected it might be. Wow. That's kind of monk, the monks of science. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, okay. So, you went you went deep into the science world. You figured out uh, there's some there's some things that I really want to focus on outside of this. Yeah. Why was kung fu the thing that you went you went into? Well, as a graduate student, uh, it depends. I, I was really good at research, and I really got my data fast. I really, um, I just kept plowing through. Uh, my mindset is always. Um, as soon as I sniff something, I head in that direction without stopping. Uh, so very often I'm sitting there recording from the cell and I find something new and I grab two or three more wires. I got wires sitting all over my head and I'm, I'm onto a brand new experiment before I even know it. Uh, whereas some of my colleagues would spend six months planning every, every detail. Well, what if this goes wrong and what if that goes wrong? I would be done already with my mm -hmm. experience. So, I had some time and I already had started a small martial arts school and well, it grew. So, uh, you know, it was an easy choice to make because there was no other choice. <laughs> I already had, you know, about 200 students and, uh, it was, uh, for me, it was a decision about, do I want to go into academics where my wife was also in academics? We both go and try to find a position in the same university, which is impossible. Uh, and try to raise a family, maybe both of us living at a distance from each other, or do we open a business our, ourselves and have our entire days to ourselves, where we run this martial arts school, helping people be healthy, helping people transform. Uh, I felt I could have a greater impact in the world on a one, on a 
you know, few hundred people in my little universe there uh, and, and guide them, help them and help them transform than I would at, in the science world. And that's just me personally. So plus I, I didn't want to work for anybody. I loved being my own boss. <clears throat> so again, the graduate student grad school allowed me the freedom to build my school up. And by the time I made the decision, uh, it was an easy decision to make because I had a fairly significant following. How did you, how did you make the decision when you first started the school? Okay, I'm going to start a, I'm going to start this school. Well, well, you know what I realized about myself. Um, I, have you ever taken the Strength Finders test? Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, like like my number one is teacher. I'm. I, I've known, I love teaching physiology in co at college. I, I got my black belt in 1987 in May, and I had opened my first class with four people in it the next month in June. Of not, we were not allowed to, to open a school until we were black belt. Well, I waited uh, 30 days, and I had my own school. Uh, and it, I've had one since then. So I've always known I wanted to teach whether I had named it or not and realized that's what I wanted to do. I just, I just knew I had to do it. So uh, in some fashion or another, I'm always teaching and educating, even as a, as a marketer, I don't sell SEO and pay-per-click and this kind of thing to my clients. I, I educate them about how it works and why it's the right choice or not the correct choice for them. We make the decision together based upon, you know, they, they now have the knowledge that I have. Uh, I love to educate them and empower a business owner so they're no longer kind of at the whims of someone just selling them products. Uh, they can make, make informed decisions. Uh, you know, there's, a, there's probably a hundred different digital marketing tactics and about 95 of them are just going to flush your money <laughs> down the drain. Maybe only five of them even make sense for your business, for your budget, for your goals. And I love uh, helping people uh, understand that and make the good decisions so that when they leave, even if they leave me, they leave better than they arrived. So I guess that makes me a teacher. Where did that love of teaching come from? I mean, were you, were you, even as like as a little kid, were, were you a teacher? Like where, where did that really derive from? Well, I said, I've always loved science and I, I loved the distilling information down to the very simplest form about everything I could figure out. Uh, and getting it down to where it was just almost like one sentence, even a complicated topic, I could, you know, make a metaphor to something else or an analogy and really nail it down. And I found that that was just like just straight up joy to me. But the second part, 50, at least 50% of the joy was then telling somebody else that, sharing that with somebody else. So I, if I figured it out myself, I was never completely satisfied. It wasn't until I, you know, could show it to somebody else and see that they also understood and were in the same place with me and connected with me. So um, again, I think all, all arrows pointed to teaching and I don't know where that comes from. That's a, maybe that's a question for my cellular basis of behaviors. <laughs> it seems like the, the thing that goes hand in hand with the teaching is, is the learning too. Have you, have you found that, that you've you've always been really interested in learning and and developing yourself and developing your knowledge. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. I'm. Uh, I just quoted uh, on my Facebook page the other day uh, uh, one of the Stoics, and it's you know basically luck or success doesn't come to you with from luck or accident. It comes from working on yourself every day. Uh, and certainly, I'm a believer in that. I love. Uh, I'm a lifelong learner. Uh, you can't get your PhD without. You have to love it because you, you're going to hate it in the end if you don't. <laughs> but um, definitely that that's, uh, you know, you talked about Strength Finder again. That's one of my other ones is, uh, I don't know if you remember some of the ca uh, categories, input. Uh, I love gathering information. And then another one I had, which was synthesizing information. Uh, and then I had uh, communication and empathy. And I said, what should, what should I be with all five of these? I should either be a marketer or a teacher. <laughs> so uh, I'll teach marketing. That's fantastic. When, when you are going out and building your, building your school, building your agency, growing 
your your business and and your influence and your you know your your reputation what principles did you bring from this the science into the business world that helped you to excel uh, you know, there's one principle in science that is the guiding principle, really, of all science, which is, I don't know if you heard of the term Occam's razor. Uh, Occam's razor is the concept that the simplest explanation, um, you must accept that as the explanation. You can't accept the most complicated explanation. It has to be the simplest one. And so in marketing, you know, you're always asking questions of, why is the organic traffic here? Why are they exiting from this page in the site? And why are they going from this page over to that page and not doing what we want? And, and you know, why, are, why is everybody bouncing off our homepage? All these kinds of things require that you be able to manage multiple um, hypotheses in your head, essentially, uh, and find the one with, that's the most likely and simplest answer to that and then test that. And so for business owners, they have such a blind spot for, of course, their own website. They, they believe it's, whether they believe it's the best or not, they believe everybody's gonna read the actual words, which is almost never true. And uh, they certainly don't take Occam's razor to their website. So uh, science, the science background, you know, getting, just like getting seventh degree black belt in martial arts, Getting a PhD requires a path. It's a it's a it's a transformational discipline. It all has steps built in to turn you into what they want to turn you into. And when you're done, you think like a scientist because you had to go through through an oral qualifying exam. You had to go defend your your proposal. You have to defend your thesis. You have all these different steps that you can't escape. There, they you have to do it. And there's these. You know, the old guard sitting in there, uh, there to make you miserable and make you suffer and, and, and to do the work. And you come out the other side of that machine looking a certain way. Uh, and people who haven't gone through that may not understand, may not have the same science process in their mind because they didn't have to walk that path. And since that path takes six or seven years, you know, it's a, it's a significant transformation of people. And the same with martial arts. You can't train for 30 years of your life uh, without it impacting you in some way. So uh, yeah, it's at a deep, real, a real deep level. Science impacts me every day with every decision uh, in marketing, even in, in the way I teach martial arts. I teach it differently than other people uh, because I can come at it from, from many angles. When you're applying Occam's razor and you're looking for that simplest and most likely solution, how do you identify which one's simpler than the other? Like, like what, what process do you go through of identifying the potential solutions and then weeding them out or, or I guess ranking them in terms of complexity and, and likelihood? I wish I could tell you I had an actual process written down that I follow, but I, it, is, it is a gut level thing uh, that, that, that tells me this is, this, this is the simplest version of this. Um, and if, you know, that's, <laughs> it's a funny, you ask that question because it's embarrassing me to, re to, to, but, uh, you know, we all have certain things that we do innately or instinctively and, and mine is the ability to, for instance, look at someone's website and understand what your visitors are thinking when they get there and what they want and what they need to see in order not to leave. And I can look at a website and rank it and score it. In, internally and and make changes to make it work better but it's hard for me to teach that to somebody because I just kind of know it uh, one of the things one of my, my one of my superpowers is I have uh, I have ADD <laughs> so I uh, if you can't hold my attention if I look at a page and I just think there's no way I'm gonna read that then I know that I am the strictest filter you can get. If you can make me happy, you now have a, a landing page that will get the job done. Uh, and so that's that. You know, that's another one of my one of my secret weapons there. So when you're ripping into these websites, what is the thing that you see most often is the problem? 
Well, you know, I like to give people an example. If you went to a mall, it had 10 shoe stores lined up side by side, and each one of them said shoes at the top, identical looking stores. The way that you and I would shop on that row of 10 shoe stores is the same. We would, we would try to look in the window. We would try to get any kind of indication whether it's worth going in there or not. And even as we went in, we would start to already have regrets thinking, well, there's probably a better sale at one of the other ones. And I only have 30 minutes. I got to hit all these 10 shoe stores. This is crazy. I don't have time for this. We would, we would look for any indication, not to stay really, but to leave. We go in, if we don't see enough clarity, we don't see where the men's shoes are immediately. We're just going to walk out the door. And so that is, of course, the page, page one of Google. And First off, you drag as much of your website as you can onto page one of Google. You've got to put stuff in your descriptions or your ads that actually addresses what they're looking for, not generic content. So they can make strong selections even from that page. But then when they get to your site, there's really just a few things that they need to, to get immediately. And there's now research showing even people make the decision in milliseconds, actually, that they're going to leave. Uh, I came up with a term years ago, I call it back pressure which there's more pressure pushing you out of the site than drawing you in, meaning that you think there's more clarity possibly on the rest of the Google results than there is in any one site. So you're looking for reasons to leave the moment you get there, not reasons to stay. And so you have to have, uh, for instance, you need to show your, your category. So if, you, if you're a financial website, you've got to have some kind of picture, you've got to have something text or whatever that shows this is this is a financial service then your product specific is it is it annuities or is it insurance i better see both the, the category and then the product and then i need to see what the next action you're asking of me and that had better match pretty close to what i want to do <laughs> so if it's you know get this white paper uh nobody goes to a website looking for white papers so if it's get this white paper, that's not even close to what I want for my next action. And if there's no next action at all you're recommending, I'll leave too. Because if you don't know what I should do next, I'm not going to know and I'm going to leave. And then the fourth one is they, they need to have some reason to stay. Credibility, you know, whether it's logos or testimonial or something. Those four things, they don't get those four things in less than five seconds. They're gone. Uh, and so most websites... Um, have just a you know a pile of information without a direction so that would be my that would be my kind of take home is that if you went and looked at your website and compared it to five other of your competitors and looked at it with those four things uh you're going to pretty quickly see there's some that have it and there's lots that don't so i have a, i have about 40 parameters for landing page uh in a in a spreadsheet i go in and i qualify i qualify each of those parameters and then it spits out uh, you know a number and a color and when I get them all into the green zone I know my conversion rate is going to about double on that website and so I just work on all 40 of those if I can't get a picture then I use text if I can't get so um, it's really it's just you know as you can tell I kind of turned it into my own science right uh, so I can quantify and measure and uh, get the metrics on it it seems like the the process of i mean that that innate page scoring is is one thing and that's really really cool and and i appreciate you breaking down some of those things that that you're really looking for um but it seems like that that 40 item checklist or, or spreadsheet kind of like you were saying it's very scientific it's a very like experiment driven way of of going about that do you feel like that was that was uh, a, a result of you starting all those experiments. Like you were saying how you would be, you'd be plugged in and you'd have this one experiment going and you have the wires everywhere and then you see something and you immediately want to start that next experiment. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. I mean, so I didn't mention in my agency, I, the first product we ever had then was a, a product called live on page. It was a video. Uh, and you remember these videos that would pop up on websites without you asking for them and they float above it. Okay. We were like the first about three companies in the world that had that. And we invented the software for ourselves to do that. 
It was a very annoying technology, but it worked great. It drove a lot of conversions. Uh, but it was a very kind of a cheap price. Uh, nobody charged that much for it. And everybody raced to the bottom immediately on this, started selling these videos for like 30 or $40 a piece. And we were the most expensive version in the category. Uh, but we gave lots of guarantees. It's going to get you more sales or, or leads, or we're going to reshoot for free until you do. Well, that put us on the hook to make those videos, you know, kill it for you. So I had to spend all this time with these, with these business owners figuring out, what their, what their differentiating message was, uh, what they wanted people to do in their website, uh, everything about them that was important that I could tell in a 30 to 60 second script. And I had to do that over 500 times with different clients. So I really went through like a very comprehensive marketing process with hundreds of clients. And uh, it was a great education. It was like Malcolm Gladwell's 10,000 hours of mastery. Uh, I got a, I got a snapshot in my head of every kind of business, all kinds of industries and that, that kind of <laughs> shooting off here in a different direction. What was it you asked me? Um, I wanted to understand like the correlation between doing all of those experiments. Uh, mm -hmm. Thank you. Thank you. So, so we were supposed to be on the hook to reshoot free videos until they got results. Well, not everybody is meant to get results. In fact, most do not. And it's not the videos the problem. We would find out they're only getting 50 visits a month to their website. So they needed SEO or they needed pay-per-click. Therefore, our agency started helping them with that. Or that their website was just terrible. They had no plan in their website. In fact, the funniest question always was, what do you want someone to do in your website? What do you want? They said, well, I want to make money. You know, well, I know that. But how are you going to you know, turn their action in the website to that money? And then it's just silence because they have no idea. They don't even know what they want them to do in the website. They built a website and that's as far as it went. And so I built this list of 40 things up over years actually of, you know, realizing that, well, it's really difficult to get a picture for a financial product, right? Because what are you going to do? Everybody has the same thing. Two guys shaking hand in a lobby of a, of a business building, right? You, you just, there's no way to pick, have pictures of these things or someone's who's, happy on the beach because they're retiring. That's usually another one, right? Uh, and so you, you had to fall back on different verse. So I could substitute a uh, text. What's, how close is the text aligned? Uh, is there other ways? Can I put some kind of a graphic in there if it's got a bag of money or something like that? So there's different versions, different ways that I can boost those numbers. And over the matter of years, that's where I came up with all 40 of those. That's incredible. Do, do you offer any sort of product or uh, swipe file or lead magnet where you give people access to those 40 different uh, well, things? Well, I, I, never, I never really built it so that others could use it because it really requires a lot of experience to look at the site and give it a qualitative score based upon how well I think it's accomplishing that task. Does that make sense? Yeah. So it's not, it's not like a cut and paste kind of a thing, unfortunately. Uh, I, I use it, but I, I'm not sure how useful it would be. Could there be any way to build software where people could go onto your site and they could basically input that information? And of course, you know, you'd have to guide them through it and it would basically give them like a, you know, like a, like a score and, mm -hmm and then give them some recommendations for how they could improve? I walked a few steps down that path with the developer and thought about that. Um, there are some similar kind of products out there and I'm not sure if they're made with the same background I have, uh, but there's people who are trying to accomplish some things like that. Uh, some AI that builds websites and is supposed to take some of those things into, into a, uh, account. Um, but really it's the kind of the, it's the experience behind it. It helps to drive the, the process. Um, so yeah, that's, uh, that's a good idea. I did think that was a world changing idea about two years ago, but, um, you know, I'm just, now I just use it with the clients who come to us and then help them with it. So we've been talking a lot about all the things that you've done and, and how you've gotten to where you are now, but what are the things that people 
definitely need to be learning from you with with your different skills and different backgrounds and, and various disciplines? Like what are things that people need to learn from you that I really haven't explored yet? Well, you know, on the martial art angle of things, I mean, of course, it's a very result driven business, right? If you make a mistake, you get a hit in the head from somebody, whether it's sparring with you or something. So it's it, the externals of things. The artifice is not that important. It's whether it worked or not. Uh, I always tell my students when they're throwing a kick, you know, your sidekick may not look like somebody else's, but that's okay. If you kick somebody with it, no one's going to tell you that it looked wrong. Uh, it's, it's not how it looks. You're not kicking the air. You're supposed to kick somebody. So, but the main, the main goal or the, the main lesson of martial arts is progressive training, Con continuously working on yourself or working on transforming. And I think the main lesson for entrepreneurs are, is, is the lesson of martial arts is perseverance. The, nobody walks into a martial arts school saying, hey, it's uh, been two weeks, uh, where's that black belt at? Uh, they know it's gonna take a certain period of time. They know they're gonna go through multiple steps uh, and it's building up mastery and comp or competence, then mastery is going to take time. But I run into a lot of business startups a lot of business owners that start new thing new projects and two three months in if it's not working they they want to you know go back to the drawing board and give up because obviously this is not a good idea uh you know my qu my question to them is where are you on your 10-year plan because you know it's going to take you know get your get a high level of black belt it's going to take 10 20 years you didn't really think that was going to happen this year did you so, you know, I have someone who come to me and say, well, my plans do this, this, and this, this. Well, let's, let's, what's your, what's your blue belt look like? What's, what are you going to be doing when you get green belt? What about brown belt? And then when they hit those, sometimes they hit them early. You say, hey, congratulations. Rather than saying, oh, I had a setback. Oh, well, you know, you're going to have a setback, right? I mean, you're only a yellow belt. So giving someone that perspective in the business world because there's only one way to accomplish it, right? It's continuous development over time or throw a ton of money at it. And most people don't want to throw a ton of money at it or don't have the money to throw at it. So if you don't have the money, you're going to have to put the time in. And so that's, you know, I, I, t I tell people, friends want to start a business. And I say, I guarantee you success. Stick with it 10 years without stopping. And I guarantee you'll be successful. So it's the same lesson as martial arts in a term in that in that way. As you're building that that ten year plan, and or, or maybe that's not even the right question. As as you're on that journey or on that process of perpetual development, how do you go about structuring that? Like, do you have a formula for for your development where? you know, okay, I'm going to read X number of books per week, or I'm going to spend X number of hours per day. Like, how do you structure your development? Yeah, I mean, it sounds sounds funny to say that I actually have a belt. You know, I have it divided by belts because that's a world that I'm very comfortable with, right? Um, up to black belt. Black belt is where they're getting their brand new leads or sales that they've never gotten before, uh, and they're in a new world. And so it takes a differing amounts of time. Some people come in and they're at different levels. Some, I had a company that came in, they said, we just need SEO. Well, it, they didn't just need SEO. And, you know, I've literally said to them, well, SEO is like a brown belt technique, you know. Uh, you, you're back here at white belt right now. You don't have your message. You don't know who you are. You don't know what to leverage to get people to become leads. They had a lot of unleveraged assets. They had parts of their technology that they could do a freemium on. They, they, they weren't even, it was buried in the website. They weren't offering it to anybody. They weren't leveraging it. Uh, now they get, they're drowning in leads and the sales teams complain we get too many leads. So, uh, you know, it wasn't a traffic problem for them. And we do SEO for them too. But the point is, is that knowing where they're at on that belt, some people might already be, you know, higher level already. Uh, but business owners get fixated on, on a term. I've heard of SEO, so I'm going to ask for SEO. Or I've heard of, uh, I've heard we're all supposed to be on Facebook. 
most of them would have no idea how to do any selling on Facebook, but they think they're supposed to post every day. Uh, and, and that time could be spent maybe in better ways, depending on their industry. They may not be completely wrong for, for that, for that platform. Now, when it comes to, and, and that makes a lot of sense as far as helping a business with their marketing and, and their, their branding and building out, you know, long-term, uh, a, a long-term plan for them, a very sustainable yeah. plan for them. Um, I, w I also want to know about like your own personal development. Mm -hmm. You know, do you, do you, I mean, do you believe in self-help and in, you know, growing yourself and, and, you know, working on yourself? I mean, we talked a little bit about that earlier, but, but I'm interested in, from the perspective of mm -hmm. like an organized long-term plan of, of achievement and development. Yeah. I mean, I set, I set my, typically I set, you know, the yearly goals, two years, five years. Um, I kind of more lead from the heart on that one uh, because I'm a voracious consumer of information. Uh, you know, I'll read a book, I'll see one name in that book. And within a week from now, I've got three books from that person. Right. Uh, and I'll just dive headlong into these things and move in jumps and, and starts uh, forward in information. So I'm always feeling like I need to bring everything into greater focus and someday it'll all come down to that one sentence for me. Right. So I definitely, uh, I'm always on the path of self-improvement, uh, probably at the, at the aggravating, uh, you know, impact on my family. Uh, because I, you know, my students at my school, I'm always this way at school. I'm always telling talking about transformation and, and personal development. Uh, and they probably think, well, maybe he just sounds like that here. No. My wife, my wife's a sixth degree black belt. She would tell them, no, he's that way every moment of the day. So yeah, I'm, I've got a stack of, you know, 10 books next to my bed. Uh, I've got, like I said, I've got, I've got machines that neurofeedback machines for meditation. I've got things that read heart rate variability to tell you how my parasympathetic nervous system's doing. Uh, you know, I, I'm a total uh, life hack uh, kind of a aficionado and using all of it, to uh, to reach the, my peak performance, though, so that every day when I walk into my school, uh, you know, I know that wherever my energy's at, nobody's going to exceed my energy. And and you know, martial arts schools. Most people think martial arts is all about kids, te kids teaching kids martial arts. My school is uh, three quarters adult, uh, and adults will not spend their money on something and their time, which is even greater than their money, unless it does, has a daily impact on their life. Every day they're driving home, either home, they turn right to go home, turn left to come to my school. That's a tough decision every day. They're tired. They gotta know when they turn left to come to my school, it's because I'm gonna inspire them, give them passion, they're gonna have energy, and their life's made better because of it. And it's not because they're worried about getting in a fight tomorrow. Uh, they want real world impact. So. Uh, to do that, I've got to stay full myself, right? I've got to stay inspired. I've got to work out every day myself on my own so that I'm not tapping into a kind of an empty well. As you're studying peak performance and, and optimal uh, or, or optimizing your yourself, what have been, outside of the things we've already talked about, what have been some of the biggest discoveries and breakthroughs that you've that you've made? Um, you know, I, I think discovering, I used a, a, a book actually this year. Uh, I, I got a book on Amazon. I think it was unsponsored and I wouldn't, I didn't know about it. And uh, I went through the exercises in there and discovered the, the kind of the overriding emotion in my life that has been uh, in every the kind of peak moments of my life, that's been the, the emotion that was there. And understanding that uh, helps me to, you know, you have, everybody has bad days. We've all had some kind of whether major or minor trauma in our life that we could get, go down a rabbit hole forever on that. We're going to get, you know, figure that trauma out to the nth degree. But if you, if you can tap into the thing that overpowers all of that, uh, then you can ride that wave. You know, when I go into my school, what I, you know, what I found out was passion, right? Passion and inspiration were my two things. 
And, uh, you know, if I'm feeling kind of a little down, I'm like, well, the room seems a little darker to me today, you know? And when I remember, hey, that's because I am the one light that lights the room up. I bring the light. And once I realize that, suddenly it just flips a switch in me, right? I'm not waiting for it. I've got to become the channel for it. And so le learning that was a huge, uh, you know, it's embarrassing. It took into my 50s to figure that out. But, you know, we all, we all take minor steps for a long ways, right? Uh, but, yeah, that's been a big one for me. It's interesting to me how you have a scientific background. I mean, you, you are a scientist. And, you know, you're, you're in the world of, of martial arts and extreme discipline. And ho I, hopefully I'm using the right term with, with martial arts. I want to be respectful yeah. there. Um, and, you know, you run a, a marketing agency with, you know, a meticulous system of, of improvement and, and spreadsheets. And then the, the thing that you were saying is that the peak was the emotion of it. That is, yeah. that is, a, that is profound to me. Well, and I, if I may share, you know, I started my marketing agency because I felt I was too, uh, had too much heart in my school. Uh, I never felt like I could be ruthless with my students and charge them the money I should charge them that, you know, I just felt it was almost like my religion, right? I couldn't, I didn't want to uh, muddy it. So I started a marketing agency because I figured I'll go be mercenary over there and make a lot of money. And of course, the, the reality is I'm, I've turned everything I do into my martial arts school. So now you know, I care as much about my marketing clients as I do my students. Uh, and that, but I, I, I've been teaching martial arts for so many years that I own that 100% uh, of who, I'm, who I am when I'm there. And I play a role when I know who I'm supposed to be. But the marketing agency has only been 10 years or 11 years. So I was having a meeting a couple of weeks ago and I was coming in. And in the meeting, I was like, I wasn't feeling great, even though I had some fantastic results to share. And I thought, well, you know, gosh, I feel like sometimes I'm singing for my supper. You know, I've got to go and uh, explain my existence again to somebody. And I was about ready to walk into our office and I, I suddenly remembered, wait a minute you know, passion's my thing. Why am I one guy in my martial arts school and one, another guy in my, in my marketing agency? I'm going to bring that level of passion into this next meeting right now. I'm, I'm thrilled to tell this guy this news. I can't wait to light him up and inspire him with what we're going to do. It was like night and day when I suddenly realized that, you know, I just got to go live it right here too. Uh, even in this realm and be, you know, I don't know if I'm a martial artist when I do that, but, uh, I need to see the same guy no matter where I'm at. So there, there are two things that I really want to drill down into here. Um, one of them is understanding how you really drilled down and explored and were able to identify specifically what that peak emotion is or, or the, or those two, the passion and inspiration. Yeah. And, and I also want to understand how you like, how you actually made sure that in all of the these areas of your life, you were still yourself, you were the same person. Like, how did you implement that? Because I feel like a lot of people struggle with that. I know those are two very different things. But. So uh, in terms of the, uh, the breakthrough of, of realizing that, that was, that was a, I went through a book. It was 40 days of exercises, started at the first of the year. Uh, the book is Claim Your Power by Mastin Kip. And I recommend anybody to go through it. It was a, it was a very transformational thing. I've gone uh, to, you know, I don't know if you heard of Landmark Training, uh, a Landmark Forum, but I've been through transformational training like that uh, in the past. So I've done a lot of deep work uh, in the past about 15 years to try to plumb down and figure out uh, who I am. And we all have frustrations. We all have things about ourselves. You know, I have... Uh, things come in from my parents, maybe whether money issues or what have you. Uh, and we all spend time working on that. And so that, that's been my process is to kind of dig and dig and dig. And eventually uh, realizing that uh, this, this passion part was the, the last you know, piece of the puzzle for me because it allowed me to focus on the thing that I wanted, not the thing that I didn't want. But until you do the other parts too, until you really understand yourself and can look at some of the dark sides of yourself, 
I, I think you're, you're not going to get as much out of it. So I think it's important to do that too. Uh, in terms of being myself everywhere, I don't think I have much of a choice. <laughs> like it, like it or not, it, it happens. Right. And, uh, we all do, we all do. So for instance, uh, you know, I grew up, my, 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 I grew up on a farm in Indiana and we didn't have much money. My dad was a depression era kid. So actually he was born in 21. So he's quite old when I was born. So I learned those lessons of the depression actually, which was uh, scarcity and that work hard. And so he kind of, I could tell that he was, he did not uh, respect or like people with the had money. Uh, if he, you know, he didn't say that, but you can always tell. And so to this day, I, you know, my, my deepest drive is to work really hard, but not charge much money. <laughs> if I know that if I do that, I'm going to please that man that's inside my head who thinks now nah, that's a good, that's a good man who does that. So, um, yeah, so we all have to, you know, we keep battling that, that little voice. Uh, and that, that voice ends up being the guy who, works extra hard for everybody, no matter where he's at, and tries to do the very best job. I'm just trying to get better on the money part. When you're talking about exploring the dark sides of yourself, that seems like it's, it involves asking yourself some very hard questions that a lot of times you don't really want to answer, you know, at least at, at, at the surface level. You just yeah. You're like, oh, I don't want to do that. But then, you know, you have to push through. How do you identify what those dark areas are? Because I feel like a lot of us have blinders on. And I am probably the biggest, you know, uh, I probably do this the most, you know, so I'm not, I'm not claiming that I don't. But how do you identify those and, and push away your own biases, your own blind spots to really drill down in there and make the changes you need, you need to make? Uh, yeah, you know, I have a really strong empathy drive in me even with myself, right? So I, I'm capable of kind of getting to the heart of things and other people too. When other people, I just kind of feel what it is, what's actually going on with them. Uh, but I think going through a process like the book I mentioned, you know, it's that, that's going to take you through it. Now I know some people who I recommend they get the book and they're just miserable, right? <laughs> they're like, you know, I spent the whole morning crying. I'm not doing this anymore. Uh, you know, that's, once you've done a few of these things or once you've done some breakthrough training and things like that, you, you, you're more about, I just want to get to the heart of it. I don't care where the blame goes. I just want to get to the heart of it so I can start, start working on it. Uh, and you're talking about, you know, everybody has it. So oh, everybody, everybody has stuff to work on. It's the people that say, Oh yeah, I don't really have any issues. Those are the ones actually you have to worry about the most. <laughs> it's, it's so deep and so entrenched. Uh, that they, you know, it caused them to say that. So, uh, yeah, I, you know, I, I enjoy it actually. I enjoy the, the work on it. Uh, it's emotional, but it's, it always feels cathartic. Dr. Joe, I want to thank you so much for coming on the show today and sharing this time with me and, and, uh, you know, exploring all the different, different things that we explored. So thank you very much for that. Thanks, man. I uh, just have a, a couple more questions for you, then then we'll wrap okay. it on up. Um, I feel like one of the bedrocks of humanity, I know that's a big statement, but I, I really do feel this way, uh, is connection. Yeah. And I want to understand your philosophy on developing deep, meaningful, and genuine connection with another human being. Well, that's a, that's a deep question. Let's see. My philosophy on connection? Mm-hmm. Uh, well, you know, I wear my heart on my sleeve, uh, and I put it out there, I think as a sacrifice so that you and I can connect. So I use my sincerity and my honesty as a, as a way for, to bridge the gap between us. Uh, and I feel that, you know, I've always, uh, I've always done that. And I feel, especially around martial arts students, students, you'll have a lot of uh, guys who are kind of, you know, kind of macho and. You know, they have, they're not comfortable with this, with that level of, of connection. And I, I feel it's my personal mission to have them see the seventh degree black belt that can kick them in the head that's the most connected and in touch emotionally of anybody in the room, that you can have that and, uh, you know, not, not, not be bullied, right? You know, not be weak. Uh, and then it's strong to do that. So, so yeah, my, my philosophy is, is that, uh, 
you know, what else is there, right? Uh, other than connection. What's your greatest theory? My greatest theory. Huh. Uh, give me, give me someone else's and it'll make me think of mine. How's that? Uh, was MC squared. No, let's think. Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, well, there's something I always, um, there's something I always say to my students uh, because, you know, they have to get up into a do a test and the test may take an hour long and them just punching and kicking the whole time doing forms. And, you know, you get done with one form and you've got to start the next one and it just takes everything you've got. And so I discovered this years ago, uh, getting ready for my own test, practicing. And if I just stood there, uh, I would completely come down and quit sweating. I just go home, walk home. If I, you know, that, 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 that beginning the action is the hardest part. And so, you know, in a form, you, you do a bow like that before you begin the form. And so what I found was, is that's easy, right, to bow. I would, um, when I finished with one form, I would immediately bow to start the next one. And then when I stood back up, I'm like, oh, no. Now I had to start. Or I had to be a complete punk and just stand here for a while and admit that I'm too tired to start because it was so easy to bow that it begat the next movement and the next movement. And so my students have all incorporated this saying now, just bow and begin. Uh, you know, if you start with the easiest action first, then the next one has to occur next. Uh, but just start with the easiest one. Is there anything about yourself that you think is an important part of who you are that we didn't talk about today? In other words, what did I miss? Well, I don't know. You cover a lot, man. <laughs> um, No, I think I think uh, I think we covered everything. I, I way more than I thought we would. You're a good you're a good interviewer. Thank you, sir. I appreciate that. Um, one more one more question for you. I'm 24. The show is my greatest passion, and I have another business outside of Project Egg. What question? should I specifically be asking you specifically with your knowledge, wisdom, experience, your genius that I just wouldn't think to ask? Well, you know, I haven't really talked to you about your, your business, uh, how it's monetized, those kind of questions. Um, you know, I think that the work that you would do on yourself personally, uh, is the same work you're doing on you do on your business, right? You 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 are you are the brand of your business. Um, years ago, I I was like, why you know why can't people just study Shaolin? Why do they have to have me? You know, if I don't show up some night, they they all half of them drop out or something. Can't they just want to learn martial arts from one of my assistant instructors? Why does it have to be me? Then I realized, oh wait a minute, I'm the brand. And when I embraced that, and understood it, then I could. Ex realize, okay, this is who I am. Now I'm going to optimize those things in their experience. I'm going to become more of me, right? Uh, so, you know, that would be, if I were you, uh, you know, I would continue to go through a transform, you know, investigation of yourself and what part of you is in your business so that you can, you know, you've got brand lovers out there, right? Uh, if you don't understand that or at some point, you might veer off that road and not realize it. Well, again, uh, Dr. Joe, I want to thank you so much for, uh, for, for coming on the show and, and uh, for sharing everything that you have. And um, I'd also like to thank you for, for what you do and, and acknowledge you for, for the good work that you're doing and um, for all the people that you teach and, and the businesses that you help and by you helping them, they're able to help all of their customers and, I mean, you're, you're impacting a lot of people and, and I wanted to recognize you and, and thank you for that. Well, I really appreciate you saying that. Thank you. Yes, sir. Um, can, you, uh, can you give us some actionable items to take away from here that we can go home or we might already be home, but we can finish off this interview and immediately take some action now that we're all fired up from it? <laughs> um, well, I mean, if people have a, have a website, uh, if they have a business, then I would recommend that they 
look at their business with um, take the glasses of you know bias off. Hang on one second. I'm going to let this <laughs> this dog's whining out here. Uh, take the take the glasses off that they have that they're biased to love their own website and open up five to ten tabs on their window of their competitors and take a good hard look and ask yourself the question. Uh, if you weren't in love with yourself and your website, if you're just somebody looking for your, that service, would you pick your website hands down over everybody else's? Uh, and that, I think that's going to be a pretty startling revelation for people. That's awesome. So everybody don't let that escape. Like literally open up those browser tabs, go look for your competitors. If you don't know who your competitors are and go figure that out and I start doing it type it i'm telling you if you let it go you might not remember that later so start taking action on that right now right now and also know that i love you guys and that i'm very grateful for your support and that uh y'all are the reason that i do this and, and that i do what i do and i'm very appreciative and i will see you on the next episode thank you very much and have a fantastic day thanks